In my experience, conversations are best had with a glass of whiskey. Join me, Alan Kogan, as I engage in meaningful discussions while enjoying a glass of my favorite spirit. Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. All right, we're live. We are live. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Uh, I'm sure people will trickle in, um, but Grant... Our last live stream was you in person here in the chair that I'm sitting in. Yeah, it was a little bit of a shit show, but uh, we made it. Work. <laughs> yes, we're back to our old devices and Grant's uh, supercomputer to make things work. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is the last live stream that Grant and I will do together uh, because I am off to Army Basic Training uh, next week, actually, and. Uh, you know, I, I, it's going to be up to Grant, however he wants to run things, and he's going to work on things just for the general podcast and putting out content that we have backlogged. But um, I'm sure he won't be doing every Friday if he thinks maybe in three weeks he's like, you know what, I'm going to do a live stream. He's more than welcome to. So if you guys want to hear got, his voice. We got the platform. Yeah, we have the platform. So if, if, if you guys want to hear his voice or you guys want to come on and talk to Grant about something, it doesn't have to be political, even though this is the political mash bill uh, segment. It can be about whatever you want. Uh, I'm all about it. And we can go from there. But uh, enough about me. This is my last live stream for a while. It's been a pleasure. Um, it's been a pleasure to introduce my new face because I am beardless and I hate it. Uh, <laughs> um but there's a lot going on in the world. There's uh mm -hmm. there's an inauguration coming up. There's a a shitstorm of of political fallout happening from the from the events of Capitol Hill. Um but I digress. Grant, how you feeling? Are you uh, are you feeling less divided or more divided? Um I feel whole and hearty. I feel great. I uh, I know that the start of the year has been a shit show for the country. Which I happen to be at the ground zero of uh, last week, but hey, I'm I'm back home. I, I I bought me some good whiskey finally, which I know you'd be proud of me for. <laughs> and um, things are going pretty well, so I hope they last. Good, good, yeah. yeah that's kind of funny that we were you and I here we're here at ground zero, and we actually walked up the the days after the uh, the insurrection at the Capitol, and we saw where the, the National Guardsmen are posted every t like every 10 feet away from each other and all around every federal building around Washington, DC and how far back the fence line is. And now that fence line is even further back. There's pictures of, really? of, of the entire national mall that you and I, we, we used a electric scooter to go up and down, but, um, you can't get it anywhere. There's a, a bunch of closures. They're basically closing down all the access points to DC. Well, I'm, I'm glad I got to see it while it was still semi open. Yeah. Yeah, things things changed pretty rapidly right after you left, actually. And it was like, okay, well, at least I, I'm I hear rumblings that it's gonna get a little dicey right around inauguration. So do you so do you think how much of that do you think is actually like the, the FBI has a lead on a, 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 an actual verifiable threat? Or is it just us being you know, we just love the theatrics of everything. We love, oh, what's going to happen? You know, what do you think? Didn't our federal agencies actually have like a viable lead before 9-11? Wasn't that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm going to defer to them because it's their fucking job to protect this country from this shit. So they've been monitoring some domestic nonsense that's going to go down. I am not going to fuck with that. I'm staying far away. Yeah, and the, and the, the uh, federal prosecutors, which are on behalf of the United States, uh, allege that the, uh, the the Trump supporters who were part of the insurrection at the Capitol um, actually had planned on um, detaining and possibly executing uh, congressional personnel. Um, that's a pretty massive and, and weighty allegation. Uh, there's a difference between a bunch of idiots going in there and just kind of storming the Capitol and throwing things on the ground and taking Pelosi's laptop and taking pictures at the, at the, the pulpit. But, uh, there is a, you know, a difference from that to someone actually planning to go in there and kill. Um, I, uh, I saw a report or a, an article rather that was saying that the, the fact that this was more planned than formerly thought actually deflated the argument against Trump's incitement at the rally. 
Yeah. And I thought that was such a stupid comment because his incitement has been brewing for four years. Yes. His rhetoric, and, and again, and I, I, I hate that I have to make this caveat because if, if there's a Trump supporter out there who hears this and thinks that I'm just trashing on Trump because I don't like him. Um, yes, I don't like Trump, but I'm not trashing on Trump because of his policies. I can disagree with Trump's policies on a, on an academic level. I can, I can disagree with it on a verifiable, uh, this policy works or does not work level. His character and his rhetoric surrounding those policies and how he goes about talking about things is a different story. That's what I don't like about Trump. Um, you know, uh, his four years of, of bombastic, uh, divisive rhetoric, not to say that the other side hasn't been equally as divisive at times, because um, they, 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 both parties like the tit for tat type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Trump's been doing this for how long? He's been sowing division. He's been he's been creating this cult-like following. And it's not every Trump supporter. I think there are a lot of Trump supporters out there who are just supporters of 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 the Republican Party who thought that he was the better better uh, candidate versus Hillary Clinton and even Joe Biden. And that's fine. Uh, but the minute you start getting into this weird conspiracy theory and you just follow this from November third onward to January the 6th with the Capitol. This wasn't just January 6th rally where Trump was saying, we're going to go to the Capitol and march and ask for them to, to, to do the right thing. No, it was more than that. It was built up. And I remember I his tweet back in December. It was like right when my trip out to DC was being planned, his tweet that said, oh, everyone show up in DC on the 6th. It's going to be wild. Like, and it's like, Yep. Yeah. No. That it, it's it's the very nature of this country and how it was built that we should be able to openly and freely criticize the sitting president for he quite literally incited an insurrection. Like that's it's not even like a sugar. That's not like an like an over dramatized version of what happened. That's exactly what happened. Right. Yep. And that's 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 unprecedented and terrible. That should that should be that should be. But people like talk all the time. It's like, oh, Trump should uh, always like um, disown and, and distance himself from these white supremacist organizations, which he's like done multiple times. Right. But when it comes to this, like he should, this should not be something that people should be on board with or okay with. And the fact that what we're looking at is half of people on the right saying that this was warranted. Okay. We're in a pretty bad place <laughs> right now. Yeah. My, my biggest thing too, that, Trump is not a conservative. Mm-hmm. He's not. Uh, from a policy standpoint, he's not a conservative. He does not govern conservatively. So, also not a Nazi either. Okay, I just want to like put that out yeah. there. That's something that it's just like, oh well, what do you? We've been calling it for years. You've been telling us that we've been over overstating it. It's like, okay, you're still overstating because that's people don't know actual history or what that looks like. No, this is and bad. This is not that. That, that. That's a good point. That that actually will bleed into what what I what I wanted to say. That the larger theme of, of of this this live stream is that you know how do we move forward? And I, I think I think Democrats like Eric Swalwell, who came out and compared Trump to Hitler, and compared uh, someone else con- compared Trump's actions to Kristallnacht. And you know the events in, in against the the persecution of, of Jew, the Jewish people, and it's like okay, even if like even if Trump is doing horrific things and saying horrific things, it is nowhere near the level of a genocidal maniac full of evil like Hitler, or the sentiment behind. I mean, obviously, we can say that it's bad. But you're not helping your cause when you're sidelining and maligning all these Trump supporters and basically labeling them as complicit white supremacists. They are not. Are there are there white supremacists that exist who support Trump? Of course. Are yeah. there racists that exist that supported Joe Biden? Guess what? Of course. People people are people. You're, it's gonna you know. But I don't know. I was just listening to Sam Harris actually talk about this, and I he's he's pretty far in like the Trump is the worst possible thing ever camp. And I mean, he's been kind of touting that forever. And now his this is like all the fuel he needs to keep going on that train. But he made a good point where it's like, okay, I'm going to criticize all the people on the right who are trying to downplay what happened at the Capitol last week, because we shouldn't be doing that. We should right. like 
take it for what it is. And it's, it's, it should terrify everyone. And yeah, it's like, it should not be a thing that we should normalize, but I want to also criticize people on the left who are basically saying that I just lost my train of thought here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people on the left who, who, who fail to understand the roots of issues and do, do nothing but shill for a party that has, has also done the same exact things as Republicans have done. It's oh, like, okay. So the, 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 the saying like, okay, the big point that they were making, I remembered was like, oh, if it was Black Lives Matter protesters, uh, the oh. cops there would have, would have done so much worse. And I'm like, and he made a good point. He's like, okay, in, in the three months of Black Lives Matter riots we got last summer, how many people did cops kill? like protesters right oh none it didn't happen how many people died at the capitol last week well one for sure white trump supporter right and also the video of the black cop who was like staring down like a fleet of white people like this isn't white supremacy at work here and and the fact that we have the next president sitting president joe biden claiming as such is terrible like that should also not be the rhetoric rhetoric that comes from this right it's 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 almost like you have to figure out the 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 best tactical response because you know it may well be true that uh, a police response to a white riot it would be different than a police response to a black riot but that all that does is is throw more identity politics into the mix and 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 only looks at people because of the color of their skin and Obviously, there's there's reasons to and not to and to not do that. But you know, uh, if you, if you're going to have, there's context. There has to be context, mm-hmm. and you you have to understand that that the Black Lives Matter uh, resurgence because they kind of were kind of quiet and dead for a little while. But then George Floyd happened, and that was a massive, just random thing that happened. People saw it on the news, and you know, to the criticism of black lives matter and those who support black lives matter uh people kind of jumped the gun and didn't watch the whole video and didn't have context of the situation with george floyd that does not mean george floyd deserved to die but it was it's almost like we can protest this because it was a it was a an injustice by this officer who didn't do his job in the best way he could have but at the same time we have to be able to admit that george floyd and Jacob Blake and all these people who, who all these unarmed black men who were killed by police. Uh, while that's a bad thing, we should figure out how to better handle these situations. Those mm-hmm. people who are interacting with the police are also no saints in their own communities. Also just ignoring the, when the exact same thing happens to people who aren't black. Right. Which happens. Yeah. As yeah. regularly, like people don't want to acknowledge this, but it does. It does. And I don't think that that citing that stat by saying uh, a cop will treat a black person different than a white person. I, I think I think it's important to know and to study and to make sure that our officers are are are, are being aware of just general human human psychology that exists in, in, in our nature. But oh, and it's definitely a policing issue, too. Like, this oh, yeah. is something that we need to address. Like, I'm not trying to downplay that either. No, but, but we have to be able to to not respond to something with an immediate knee-jerk reaction of, well, if they were black, it'd be different. And it's like, even if that were true by the numbers, why does that stat help? It's like, it's like you're saying something just to say it because it's politically expedient for your base because your base loves it. And that is not that one that doesn't help the issue. And two, it just makes your base paint the other side as evil more and more, which doesn't help you come together as a nation. No one can handle nuance anymore either. And this is, that's, I mean, we've talked about it every time we talk on the show. That's why we're doing this mm-hmm. to address the nuance to these situations. And it's like, we, we we're, we're sitting here saying what happened at the Capitol is horrible and unprecedented and nobody should be okay with it. Right. And I want to like shout that from the rooftops. It's saying like, yeah, this is bad. <laughs> like things are, have gotten really bad here. Like it's, it's quite literally what you're saying. Like the internet spilled out into real life. Um, but yeah, bring, like bringing out these, these, these dog whistles of, of race and, and white supremacist, blah, blah, blah. Like that's not helping your case. And that's not addressing what really happened here. Right. 
And it, it, I mean, it's the same on both sides. You, you know, you can't, you cannot call a Trump supporter just because they're a Trump supporter, or a white supremacist, or, or someone who's complicit with white supremacy. Just in the, in the same way, you can't call someone who's a Democrat a socialist, or uh, and, and and socialist in like the most malice of terms, right? Because when a Republican calls someone a communist or a socialist, they mean it in in like the. You like you want us to go change into a Stalin-esque USSR a government-controlled state, and when a lot of the times is is people who are socialists or communists are just these empathetic young kids who haven't learned how to how the real economy works in America, and that's not a that's not a bad thing. I think it's I think it's a very beautiful thing. But we have to be able to have conversations with people we disagree with. Why is it that people who are forty-five and older are more conservative than people who are younger than that? There's a reason for that. Almost like I think it's like 75 or 80 percent of people, once they change at a certain age or once they get a certain job or something, they become more conservative. And that does not mean they become pro-life or anti uh, anti-gay rights or anti uh, trans rights, or they all of a sudden become pro Second Amendment. It just means they have conservative values about how to go yeah. about. You or know. a white supremacist, <laughs> like yeah. I just I, you, like you. It, it's it's so ridiculous too because it's like you just look at the voting like base for people who voted. Like it's not like a hundred percent white people who voted for Trump. In fact, it's decidedly not that. Right. So it, it, it's it's it just doesn't jive with what's like reality, and people don't want to like accept those facts either because they want to paint things so broadly and in such def like def definite terms i hate that i was watching a i don't know are you familiar with uh jubilee the channel on youtube no i am actually not so jubilee does this series it's a bunch of young kids who do it it's, it's really good content but they do this series where it's like can we find a middle ground and they put up like uh one of the series was a flat earthers versus scientists. And they get like three of each people and sit them down and they ask questions and then they discuss and they, they try to mediate it. So it's not getting, you know, someone tearing off another person's head. Um, but the one I just watched was uh, just conservatives versus, uh, or I don't think it was Republican. I think it was, I think it was conservative versus liberal. And, and again, if you don't know anything about political theory, conservative is different than Republican and liberal is different than Democrat. Yes. So that first of all, that, Cl that classically so, because like even like modern Democrat and modern Republican is different yeah. than what it used to be, because like Republican now is like so associated with Trumpism, right? which is so far from what classical like conservatism and classic like Republican was. Um, right. Just like what classically Democrat was and classically liberal is not at all where Biden is. Biden and Kamala Harris are no. right now, which is basically what conservatives and Republicans used to be. Right. Right. No, but I saw I was watching this. They, they did this panel uh, with it was like, uh, a, f a few younger kids and a few older people mixed in a couple. It was like a very grab bag group. But um, the. Uh, one of the liberals was saying something like it was just a democratic talking point about Republicans and painting Republicans as this party that doesn't give a shit about other people or doesn't give a shit about poor people or doesn't give a shit about uh, providing health care. And like, and then one of the Republicans was, or the conservatives was kind of like, well, what do you mean? Like, what, what you think that I don't care about? And they kind of got into a, a, a shouting match because here is this, liberal Democrat who is saying that and accusing uh, basically all Republicans of not caring about health care. And then I ask myself, whose fault is that? Is it the fault of the liberal who's not understanding the policies or the, the, the purpose of what the Republicans are putting into place or saying? Is it the media's fault for not presenting it the right way? Or is it the Republicans' fault for not being good enough salespeople to to get their point across in the most empathetic and compassionate way so that people respond to it. And one of the liberals actually made a good point. He said, I grew up in a low-income uh, area. Uh, I was in the project, et cetera, et cetera. And I, just because of where I was raised, my dad's on disability. I, I'm an, my, my family's uh, from immigrants, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the Republicans asked, well, what made you lean left? And he said, 
honestly, I, it's just because we, we benefited the most from left policies. And he said, okay, well, I mean, have you ever thought about, have you entertained talking to a Republican? He's like, well, the reason, the more, more so the reason why I didn't go into, to be a Republican or even interested in, in Republicanism is because none of them ever came to where I was and talked to me. None of them came to where I was to talk to me. That is the number one issue. And I think going forward from what happened at this insurrection, it is so important that we throw away Trumpism, throw away Bidenism, throw away these, these nasty talking points and just get back to the root level of understanding the perspective of different people. People who live in different areas of the country live different ways, have different values. So when you vote on Capitol Hill for uh, a spending bill that is cutting Medicare and you're a Republican and you're happy because you think, oh yes, Medicare is socialism. So we're cutting it. Okay. But you have to explain after that is done, what is the plan? Because I know that in your heart, you're not taking away healthcare from people. You just don't think that the government has to be so involved. So extrapolate that, be a better salesperson. I I'm, I'm pretty fiscally conservative, but I know that I can't just go out here and say, Oh, uh, Medicare is socialist because then that sounds like I'm I'm cold hearted. We have to find a, a candidates and and, and uh, uh, elected officials that are willing to be brave enough to say that shit, and they're not. And people thought people thought Trump was people thought Trump was the guy who's going to weed through the bullshit and say what he thought. Well, okay, he did, but in the wrong way, and he was just another greedy asshole who wanted attention and spotlight, and he's a celebrity. Right. Who, who was who was in his uh, his administration? The, he was, it was the exact same swamp that he was talking about draining. Yep. I don't know. I, I just it's it's very frustrating that we can't. I, I I think I think the bigger call to action right now is understanding how to move forward. I'm kind of done uh, giving a bunch of caveats and, and pussyfooting around, you know, why or why not I like, or don't like Biden or Trump. Like at the end of the day, the reason why I don't like these politicians is because they don't have, they're not doing their job as being a facilitatory leader in, in managing how our country is behaving together. I think one of the biggest issues we have right now is social media, because even if we had a politician that was able to get on the bully pulpit and, and make a good argument, you know, would it be censored by uh, big tech or or uh, mainstream media that tends to lean left? And, you know, do we do we have to figure that out? Sure. But I think that starts with I think it starts with better politicians and, and having better values at why, like what what is the reason you're going to vote? Your vote does matter. We've seen it time and time again that it does have an effect on on the outcome of, of an electoral college election. So if your vote does matter, why are you going to the, to the to the polls? Is it because they're a Republican and that's it? Is it because you don't like the other side? Well, those are the wrong reasons to vote for someone. Shouldn't you be voting for someone because you believe in their vision, you believe that they're a good leader, and they're the ones who are able to inject some civility and common sense and, and dare I say, nuance into the conversation? Uh, is it incumbent upon our, our mass media groups to, to get more creative on how they present issues? I would love to see a segment on any news channel, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, of, of both. I'll take our home state as uh, Wisconsin as an example. Uh, as much as we both probably have an indifference or dislike for both of our senators, Tammy Baldwin and Ron Johnson. They, they I did are, vote for Tammy Baldwin, actually. Um, yeah. And I, I think I think she's generally I'm in, I'm indifferent. I think she's she's a good person. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of Ron Johnson though. I don't know who is, but he's uh he's he's been awful. He's also added to the rhetoric and and fanning the flames of what yes. happened in the Capitol. Um, but you know, I would just use them as an example because they're the names that came to mind. Um, how awesome would it be to have them on whether it be a Wisconsin news channel or even a, a national news channel talking about an issue, whether it be healthcare or whatever. And they're on, they are the senators of a state of Wisconsin and they are supposed to be working together and trying to facilitate the conversation and sell to the American people the best way possible, the best way forward. It shouldn't be Ron Johnson shilling for whoever the president is. It should be Ron Johnson getting in there and not being afraid to 
speak his mind. But because of the way that the Republican and Democratic Party are run, they make their senators and their representatives basically obey the way that their platform is run. And that's why you have people like Tulsi Gabbard, who are who are uh, these weird quasi-libertarian, liberal, leftist you know, people that are on the fringe and they'll never get elected because at the at, uh, higher echelons of government because the, the DNC will not abide by her having different opinions on certain things. And that has to stop. If we want, you know, I, I don't know. I think you give this administration two years, someone like her could get elected in four. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think people are quite understanding what's going to be coming in the next two years. I think there's going to be like a nice half year honeymoon period for all the liberals who voted for Biden Harris. And then they're going to, you're, they're going to start realizing what they actually voted for. And it's going to be like, Oh wow. We have the exact same thing we had when George W. Bush was in there, when Barack Obama was in there and mostly when Trump was in there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and that's the thing is that, and I don't know if it is it because people aren't politically aware enough of of, of the of the policies and how similar they are. I mean, it, like if you look at, like you say, George W. Bush, even Bill Clinton to some degree, uh, and Obama. I mean, they committed a lot of atrocities overseas and did not have good foreign policy. Um, other than George W. Bush being a, a pretty good leader in the, in the moment of 9-11, it led to his administration taking advantage of the situation. And, yeah. you know, now we have the the quagmire of the Middle East on our hands. So, you know, and okay, Obama, and this, this Obama's like the opposite of Trump, right? Obama was eloquent, well-spoken. He, he has the X factor. He oozes that John F. Kennedy... Uh, like that man looks presidential and he sounds presidential and he's, he's, he he sounds like he's the smartest man in the room nine times out of 10. And I appreciate that. in a president, I appreciate that that in a leader. However, if you look into the record of Obama, every, every border policy that Trump did further, I will say that Trump did further the policies that were bad. The policy started under Obama. You're saying, meanwhile, he's he's actually putting kids in cages and drone striking civilians in the Middle yeah. East. And Obama like, did it. I, I mean, but what what is the line? Are we are we more are we more caring as voters for people who just sound good and make everything sound right as rain? And it's like you put on your 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 blinders and say, okay, well, I feel better because this guy doesn't appear to be a maniac you have someone like trump who tweets at 3 a.m and you know does things that are kind of bombastic and then you kind of go oh i don't know but here's my prescription my prescription is if if we are at a point where the presidency is such a scary thing maybe the president has too much power maybe the executive branch shouldn't have enough power to make us feel this existential crisis every four years. I don't think it's a good thing that half the country voted for the other person and the other half feels like this is the end of freedom because the Democrats got control of the of, of the Congress and the White House. This Or if Trump were to win, this is the end of our democracy because Trump is a fascist. It's like, where is that? You know, what? When, when either side won, I don't care what they say, but when either side won, and this is proven in 2016, they were going to claim that it was rigged. Like mm-hmm. Democrats have been claiming this shit for four years. The only difference is they didn't fucking storm the Capitol about it. Right, but I, I honestly think that that what happened last week was a continuation of of the rhetoric that Democrats were also spewing for the last four fucking years. They are both guilty, a hundred percent. And I don't know what it takes to lower the temperature. I don't, I don't like. First of all, I don't like the fact that all these the, the Democrats and Republicans are calling for unity now, and it's like, where were you for the last fifty years? Like if you want unity so bad, you're just unit. You're just doing it right now because it's politically expedient. Because you know that if you don't denounce certain things right now, you will be chastised. So you'll you'll be painted as someone who's complicit with what happened. 
And there are a couple of Republicans who are okay with that, apparently. And that's terrible and shameful. But if, if you're going to call for unity, you're just doing it for unity's sake right now. And that is not what we have to do. We have to have a conversation about how to move forward. And I think that's more important than us debating the policy of what the, like the policy difference between Trump and Biden, because I don't think at the end of the day, whatever Biden does in his first hundred days, I don't think that's nowhere near as consequential as what is brewing in the culture of this nation in which we like physically hate each other. Like we, is it because of social media? Is it because we are now so hyper-connected that we care too much about what Washington does? Is it, how do we break through that? And then, and now we have big tech deciding who is platformed or not. And I don't know how to filtrate. So we're half an hour in. Do we, do we, are we going to keep going? Do we make this a, a double, a double sized episode? I'm ready to pour another drink if you are. I'll pour another drink. Do we have any people watching? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Who cares? They'll watch it. I'll watch it later. I don't have I'll, any comments yet, so. I'll pour another scotch. All right, we're both drinking Johnny today. I finally bought a good bottle of scotch, guys. You'll be so proud of me. Uh, yes, Johnny Walker Green Label. It was just probably my favorite Johnny Walker. Um, and I am pouring Johnny Walker 18. It's their uh, their gold label. It used to be their platinum label, but now it's their gold, uh, the ultimate 18 blend. And it's uh, it's not as good as the green label. But it's fun, uh, fun fact. I was telling you this, Alan. That is the first whiskey I ever drank. Oh, the eighteen. The 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 gold label. Yep. Yep. It's pretty delicious. Not a bad place to start, I must say. No. Um. All right. So yeah, uh, we have an impeachment. We have big tech censorship. We have people wanting to kill each other. Uh, where do we start? <laughs> Let's uh, because we kind of been we, we've kind of been leading up to the impeachment because it's part kind of connected to the Capitol. Let's go to let's talk about the impeachment quick and what's to come with the impeachment leading up to the inauguration day on on uh, next week on next week Wednesday. Um, before we get into social media stuff, because I think that's more of a, a philosophical larger topic. Um, so first of all, let's just lay it out. So President Trump. Uh, obviously under uh, the accusations and obviously uh, we know it's true because we watched it happen over the last four years, him brewing this incitement and horrible rhetoric that led to uh, the worst of his supporters to storm the Capitol. And it's looking more and more like the FBI has evidence that uh, certain things were planned and there were actually people with zip ties that were actually trying to detain and possibly execute congressional members. Um, Five people died. Uh, one of them being a Trump supporter, I think two being officers, and then the other uh, others being Trump supporters that just had a medical emergency, like a heart attack, or they were trampled or something happened uh, within the crowd that you would expect to happen in a, a crowd like that running up the Capitol steps. Um, so that happened. And of course, Democrats were quick to condemn everything, as were uh, most Republicans, uh, although there were a lot of outliers who just kind of said, uh, the, the stolen election and they kept repeating the uh, the same rhetoric as Trump did in his uh, speeches, um, even though his most recent speech was probably the most um, the, the, the most concise and focused call for everyone to calm down, which I guess is good, but it's a little too little too late. Was that his concession speech? I actually still haven't watched it. I think we talked about it last week, but it, it wasn't a concession speech. It was uh, yeah. it was basically him just saying that there will be a new administration, even though the election was stolen. Um, but we need calm, we need everyone to calm down, and he so was basically the Trump version of a concession, basically. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a concession speech, but it wasn't. It was not a concession. <laughs> um. But okay, so uh, Democrats quickly decided to uh, draft up articles of impeachment, um, which I do believe in this case were warranted. Um, they at first they were trying to get Mike Pence to invoke the Twenty Fifth Amendment, which basically just says the president is uh, incapable of carrying out his duties as president. Um, whether or not that is appropriate, I, I don't know. I think we could probably debate that all the live long day until we're blue in the face, but, uh, Mike Pence did not want to do that. He thought it was probably to, to the detriment of the social fabric of the country, which maybe I kind of agree with. I don't know. Um, the 25th amendment usually is reserved for 
like actual incapacity. Like, uh, first of all, I mean, Ronald Reagan is, is a clear and present example where he in his last two years, uh, potentially had dementia and, um, it got, I don't see it how it's not being relevant anytime soon. And I mean, we've, we've talked endlessly about Biden. We don't have to go down that path again, but I I think I, I, 25th amendment could be a real discussion that that pelosi might have with his cabinet if it gets worse but that's neither here nor there biden is not the one who uh incited violence so um for all his faults he didn't do that he didn't do that there you go you're right Um, but uh 25th amendment not happening pence put a kibosh on that so then pelosi uh introduced the articles of impeachment with her fellow colleagues in the house it passed with, I believe, 10 Republicans in the House signing on to it. A few of them surprises. I don't know their names offhand, but uh, basically, obviously passed with an, an ease in the House. Um, so he is MP. He's the only president to ever be impeached twice. Now, I will say just as a caveat, the first impeachment was kind of a joke. Um, the Democrats didn't really have much to go on. It was... No. It was kind of a joke of it and just a, a, a symbolic, like we have the power to do so and we're watching you type thing. Um, kind of a waste of time. Uh, I don't, it doesn't mean that I think Trump acted appropriately on the Ukraine call, but that's a different story. So, impeached a second time, first president ever to be, to, to be done so. Um, and now we're, this is leading up to next Wednesday, the 20th, when Biden will be inaugurated and, at the Capitol. Um, at noon. And what happens now? The impeachment goes to the Senate. And Mitch McConnell came out and said that uh, they will not be reconvening uh, as an emergency meeting in the Senate for the impeachment trial. Uh, they will be reconvening on the 19th, the day before, and which means the uh, potential conviction of President Trump could go into the Biden administration. And people have been actually saying that this is unconstitutional. You cannot Im- uh, convict a, a non-sitting president. The president is a civilian and et cetera. There's actually a legal precedent in the federal court to do this. Really? Multiple, multiple uh, Supreme Court justices, uh, actually, well, maybe a couple, uh, Samuel Chase and another one, um, but also uh, congressional members, et cetera, have been uh, impeached and convicted after their term expired. So I was going to say, like, I, I don't see how that's unconstitutional i think everyone i mean it, it, it's this is like nobody's above the law that's the point of where we're at in this country so right. you should be able to convict anyone depending on if they're in office or out you would think you would but hope you would hope <laughs> so you know in in trump trump has been floating around the idea inside his cabinet and, and advisors about pardoning himself um well, first of all, I think it is a heinous thought to for, for a president to have the ability to preemptively pardon himself before leaving office. Um, obviously, the pardon would only be for federal crimes. Uh, the city of D.C., D.C. proper, could very well sue him. Uh, I know New York City. Excuse me. I know New York City is currently going through a lawsuit with him and his uh, uh, tax stuff with his company. Um, so that doesn't mean he's safe from everything. I think there's going to be a lot of legal battles that he's going to fight. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious because I know um, President of the United States, they get, you know, lifetime privileges like yep. um, Secret Service protection and blah, 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 blah. Is this is this does he lose that? Like, when does he lose that? So that's a good question. So the the Constitution lays out in the impeachment process that uh, the Senate has ha, the Senate has the right in their sentencing of the president, in their judgment of the president, uh, to basically bar him from running ever again. Um, but impeachment itself and conviction itself does not in itself bar him. The Senate has to include language to bar him. So that's one thing that's on uh, uh, that it's at stake for the Democrats if they if they really want to, or any Republican that just just done with Trump, um, that they they want to continue with this conviction and have language that bars him from ever holding office again. That's one thing. 
Okay. Uh, second, uh, his pension and his uh, any health benefits that uh, every uh, former president has, you know, that has access to, uh, will be cut off if he is convicted as a as a sitting pres- or as a as a president, sitting or former. However, uh, as I understand the law and I understand the way that the Secret Service is set up, he still enjoys the luxury of the Secret Service um, just because it's a security issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, every former president, including 90, what, six or seven-year-old Jimmy Carter, uh, does still get a very stripped-down version of uh, security briefings for national intelligence just so that uh, if there were an, an immediate issue or something to happen, uh, let's say something happens with Iran and the leading expert in the room on Iran Contra is dead and Jimmy Carter was president during that, Jimmy Carter could send a memo over to whatever and have a security clearance to do so. And he could say in five or 10 words, uh, this is what I think and what I did and this is what happened. And this is, these are the names that I talked to over there. Boom. That gives former presidents kind of a hand on some kind of wheel. It's not a, a hand of power. It's not a hand of anything. It's just it's just the fact that they were in the office. They had a top secret security clearance at that time. Um, and they just get a general briefing to make sure that everyone's in the loop should the time come. So a lot of the former presidents like wave that though. Like yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and which, and I, I, I should have made that caveat too that that Jimmy Carter he does have access to it. I'm sure at his age he has waived it, um, because there's no sense in like that doesn't make sense. The the, yeah. the scenario, the hypo, the, the hypothetical scenario I just spelled out would never happen. Um, but Lee, I mean, hypothetically, any any officer in the military who has ever been commissioned as an officer, if there's an officer in, from World War II who is today 107. Uh, technically, the military could tell him to come back and be an officer for World War III. Uh, w- would that ever happen? No. Um, but not. technically, in the hierarchical structure of both our, our military and government, uh, they are for—they're pretty much lifers in in the in the good old boys club. Hey, in the simulation world we live in now, anything's possible. That's so. very true. Um, so yeah, Trump would still have access to certain things, um, just because. I mean, it's a security issue. We also have to make sure that he's not going to be a vindictive, vengeful asshole and start spilling a bunch of shit that he shouldn't be spilling. Um, you know, that could that's a very big national security concern as well. Uh, what does Trump do after this? Is is it okay? Like, what, Trump, th- th- this might bleed into our next conversation, is, is, is Trump having a Twitter you know, he could interact with potentially interact with other foreign leaders. And what happens in the in the event that Kim Jong Un uh, decides to talk to and work with Donald Trump as a civilian rather than talk to Biden and who is the actual leader of the free world? So what what do we do? Um, does Trump has the have the right on that platform? Well, I mean, he did, but. I have the right. I can tweet at Kim Jong Un and say, "What's up, bro? How's it going?" He's never going to respond. I'm not Dennis Rodman, but <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what we do with Trump. I, I don't know what the plan is. If we convict him and, and solidify this impeachment, you know, we're not going to get it, get rid of him out of out of, until after his term. But he's still going to have a voice. He's still going to be able to do something. He's probably going to be able to run a media company or start his own platform or something stupid. And uh, like Parlor 2.0, but like Trump Twitter. Trump Twitter. Yeah. Instead, instead, of, instead of the blue bird, it's going to be just his hair. Oh, God. Um, That'd be kind of brilliant, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I mean, he, he'll, he has a massive following. And I, I I presume that he's going to have lots of rallies and make a bunch of money and it's it is it's gonna be what it is, but you know, how do we how do we get through his his influence and move forward? I don't know. And I, I don't know if the correct 
way to go about circumventing his rhetoric is to ban him from uh yeah it's certainly not censorship right that, that doesn't help anything and people it's, who think yeah. it is or excuse it uh, no I, yeah no i can't i can't get on board with you sorry no not sorry it's no, I, I agree. I think I think censorship is, and I've said this before. We've talked about this before. That I, I think the the best the best form of uh, I don't want to say I don't want to use the word censorship, but like like natural censorship is having all the bad ideas out in the public so people know it, but having more better ideas that are that are eloquently stated uh, to fill the room and take up the oxygen. Yeah, you combat um, bad ideas with better ideas. Exactly. So do we just ban bad ideas on Twitter and Facebook? No, we can't. Do we ban? Who decides what is a bad idea? Also that it's subjective. Right. Because you could, you could easily say that a Democrat would consider a Republican uh, voting against healthcare uh, bad. And that again, goes back to what I had said formally that now we have we're, we're losing nuance in the conversation about how to actually discuss healthcare policy in this country uh is it that that and that might be the problem maybe maybe the bigger problem is that our elected officials should not be using social media uh to do anything but interact with their constituents and say hey guys happy saint patrick's day uh, hey guys, here's a picture of me and my dog. I'm a human being too. I think that's a that's a powerful use of of your social media. But if you're going to have a policy statement or you're going to quote unquote try to dunk on someone on social media, like Ted Cruz and AOC go back and forth all the time, and it it is just ridiculous and and disgusting. Both of them, it's it's childish. It's like you're you're in a high school cafeteria and you're you're in a food fight and you're mm-hmm. you're saying something in what is it, 230 characters or less? How, how is that fruitful? How does that actually get anything done? You're, you're, you're just, Ted Cruz says something about healthcare and AOC says, oh, well, you're the devil. And then he says, well, you're a socialist. And okay, well, now, now you have supporters on both sides cheering them on and retweeting and liking. And it's like, okay, that's the problem. I'm not, I'm not in favor of Twitter banning them or censoring that horrible speech, but it is incumbent upon our leaders who we elect and and, and people who are, who should be the smartest experts in the room on certain policies to be better about using their platform. Get on, get on social media and go, go on a live stream and talk about things like we do right now. You and I could just change the political mash bill to a Twitter handle and say, uh, Ron Johnson sucks. And we might get a massive following and we might even get a following even qu- more quickly than we are right now. But that is not actually conducive to the, to the, to the argument or to, to making the conversation better. No, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Is, anyway, so, Trump is, uh, is off all platforms now. Yeah. Platforms are now uh, banned off of most devices like you can't get parlor pretty much anywhere anymore yep yep well i what what does this lead to is is this a sign of monopoly does does facebook and twitter truly have the monopoly on social media um and if the answer is yes then i think we have to figure out as a free market society that we are, or that we tr- we strive to be, even though capitalism and free market ideas have their faults, and and people are are, you know, they can be greedy assholes. But what what constitutes a, mono- a monopoly? What constitutes a public a publishing company? Um, what constitutes a news agency? Uh, and is it really? Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and uh, Tumblr and TikTok, whatever, are they only being as successful as Google and uh, Amazon Web Services and Bing allows? You know, our search engines, who I think there's only really two or three big ones, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and one of them is owned by Microsoft, and that's no one uses Bing. Um, no. 
No, Peg's a joke. Peg's a joke. Uh, Mozilla or Mozilla Firefox, which I don't know if that's still being used. Um, and then Google Chrome, and that's run by Google. So three, and one of them is used substantially more than the other two that I listed. Google. So if Google has in their algorithms or the way that they run their search engine, and it's only going to feed you Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Well, okay, we have to have a conversation about what's good or bad about that because it's a private industry. Google has the right to do so. But if there's only one Google, if there's no other option, that's technically a monopoly. So how do we fix that? Is it section 230? Do we have to figure out how to flesh out that law? Well, the bigger problem is we have a bunch of 85-year-olds in Congress who don't even know how to turn on their phone. And I, I, seriously, one of the first congressional hearings we had of Mark Zuckerberg talking to Diane Feinstein and Chuck Grassley and these, just these old people. They're so old. They're so old. I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't – seriously, policy, policy aside, they're so fucking old. And they're, they're asking about how the internet works. How are you qualified to have a congressional hearing talking to Mark Zuckerberg, arguably one of the most influential people of the de- last two decades? If, whether, whether you like him or not, whether you think he's uh, a propagandist for leftist bullshit or he's a robot from space because of the way that he drinks his water because he's weird. I, I, I mean, God, I, why is this – the way that we're handling this. Why are we allowing our congressional leaders to be the ones who who discuss the issues of Mark Zuckerberg? Mark Zuckerberg will walk, stand tall around them every day of the week. Same with Jack Dorsey. Same with uh, the heads of Google. Same with Bill Gates of Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we need people like more people like Bill Gates because he's been willing to. He has his faults, but he's been willing to actually have the conversation about big tech. And he's not bigger than discussing the ramifications of having only one version of Microsoft. Uh, he's been having those conversations. He's a, he's a free market capitalist, but what what's the answer? The answer is not state-run media. The answer is not having the government produce some kind of free speech Twitter that allows – that. first of all, that'll be run like crap. It'll be – that's like encroaching more towards state-run media, and I hate that idea. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, if you and I knew how to code something in a, in uh, in uh, something simplistic HTML, and we we were able to make it awesome, you know, I don't know. Oh, I just lost my camera. I'm yeah, back. Yeah, I was about to say. All right, you're back. Cool. I don't know. My I'm. It was my phone, so I think it just maybe my USB was crap. Anyway, speaking of internet and technology, <laughs> I say I'm all for Section 230 reform. I'm right with it with you. But, yep. uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. I might need to just not focus on the world for a bit because it's getting, it's getting scary. It's been scary, but I don't know. I honestly think, and again, this is the theme of, of really what we're doing is the, the scariest part to me is that we aren't able to digest it the correct way or in a healthy way. Um, we're not responding to each other the correct way. We're not listening to each other the correct way. We're not discussing issues in a way that is to solve something. We're 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 being combative and contrarian just to be combative and contrarian. We're we're getting on social media and we're doing it for the likes and the clicks and the and that's another thing. News, uh, CNBC, NBC, MSNBC, CBS, Facebook, uh. It, you know, they, they just put out articles that have titles that make me click on it or share it and get angry. And 90% of people don't read the article. That culture is a cultural thing. That's what scares me the most is that we aren't positioning ourselves in a way that's successful. We're, we're position, uh, positioning ourselves in a way that is only detrimental. Capital insurrection is, is number one. That's the biggest issue we just had. And we have yet to figure that out. So... That's what I'm scared. About. I'm I'm scared about the world. I'm scared about what's happening, but I'm more afraid of the lack of understanding we're given. We're giving the situations, and 
I, I don't know where we go from here. I don't know what the answer is. I hope I hope the answer is doing these longer form discussions, whether it be you and I creating a platform that's fun and we get to talk to people like Spike Cohen, who is the Libertarian vice presidential candidate. And that was great. That was fun. But I, I know I know for a fact it's not the government. The government's not doing shit right. So So why are you leaving us, Alan? Why why when well, you started this platform, have these long form discussions and you're, you're going. The heck, yeah. man. I know. I, you know what's funny is as much as I have criticized the government and say how, you know, the doom and gloom bullshit, uh, which I don't mean to do. I, I I'm generally positive about people. I'm positive about you and I. I'm positive about what you and I can do. Uh but I enlisted in the United States military, which is a facet of the government. And, uh, but I, I, I'm, so I enlisted in, in the, in the national guard, the, which is the army. And, uh, I, I'm going to basic training next week, uh, which is pretty surreal. Um, I'll be gone for three, uh, three months, about 10 weeks. And then after that, I uh, come back for a little bit of a limbo period. And then I go to officer candidate school to be an officer. And the reason is kind of twofold. One, I uh, I want to serve my country. I believe in this nation. I believe that this nation can be a greater good in the world. I believe that we aren't so far lost. I think that a lot of this is just a bunch of bombastic uh, screen warriors that are kind of bleeding out into the streets a little bit uh, too much, and we're kind of losing our heads a little bit and losing our cool. Uh, but I believe in this nation. I believe in what we what we can do, what we stand for. That doesn't mean that I, I I believe in everything the military does. I don't. That doesn't mean that I agree with everything that we do foreign policy wise. Um, but I don't have to. Uh, I, I I'm serving our nation because I believe in the ideals of, of the United States of America. I believe that 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 we can be the leader of the free world and also prop up other leaders of the free world, like like how Germany has been in in the last few decades, like. Uh, the UK has been the last few decades, like France has been. Um, I, I believe we can do this together. But the other part is, I think it's a great leadership opportunity for me and, and to, to one, challenge myself and to be uh, to, just to strengthen my body, my mind. Um, I work out a, a ton and basic training is probably going to be a breeze for me, but that doesn't mean it's going to be without challenges. And I think, I, I, I think you knew that I was going and, and we started this podcast with not a definitive date of when I was going, but, uh, we started the podcast because it was a great avenue for us to just discuss issues and meet new people. And we've built this kind of this, this beginning infant platform for, you know, the ideas that you and I have discussed off camera, offline, and where I'm going to come back better than ever and refreshed. And I'm going to turn my brain off, uh, and, and go through basic and not have any connection to the, the outside world other than a, uh, carrier pigeon and uh, the occasional call to mom and dad. And uh, I, I think that we can make use of this platform in in, a, in the best way and act, at least be an example for our peers and those out there who might be wanting to start a podcast and maybe even do it better than us. And if, if, if you and I can do this and have a, a good heartfelt nuanced discussion with anybody that we come across, whether it be a Biden supporter or a a mental health expert or a vice presidential candidate or anybody. I, I think that that shows that anyone can, and that includes the leaders of our, the, the leaders in our government. And, uh, you know, I hope that that sets an example. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be gone for a little bit. Uh, we have some backlog stuff that it's going to come out. So you'll be hearing from me, uh, from a pre-recorded voice. Mm -hmm. So, uh, enjoy that. But, uh, I, I hate, I hate to take off. I I'm excited for it and I, I will look forward to my return and have one of the best live streams when Grant and I reconnect oh, yeah. and we will have all the scotch or bourbon, whatever fancies him the most, or probably whatever I'm craving the most. <laughs> By the time you come back, I'll be like a vodka guy. I'll be like, Oh, I tried this gray goose. It was, uh, so good. Yeah. I will. I will disown you if that happens. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I want to say here, here, I, um, I've learned so much. I've had a great time doing this. Um, if there's a demand, I'll keep doing it. Um, otherwise we do have content that we're going to keep kind of putting out here and there. But, uh, until then three months without you, I'm going to miss you. 
and I'm excited for you to come back and do this again. I appreciate it, man. I'll miss you too. And, uh, I'll miss, I'll miss doing this. I'll miss, uh, I'll miss the Avenue. So yeah, if, uh, if you want Grant to keep doing it, give him a shout out and, uh, lobby him to do so. Um, but for the most part, the live stream will be on hiatus unless you guys want it. Maybe he'll, like I said earlier, Grant, just like maybe every three weeks, just go on and be like, what's up guys for 30 I'll get minutes. Really trash and just come on and talk shit about politics. It'll be a very different show. Well, one of our one of our last uh, one of our most successful live streams when get was getting Jake blackout drunk. It was. It was. So maybe just do that. <laughs> I'm sure no. that could be arranged. It wouldn't be hard. That would not be hard at all. <laughs> but uh, no, here, here, I appreciate it, man. Cheers to you. Cheers to all the work that you've been doing the podcast, helping us both keep uh, keep sane during these crazy times. Oh, yeah. And. I want to also publicly thank you for holding them down the fort and making sure things as far as content just going out, uh, run smoothly. Um, I don't want you to overstretch yourself, so don't feel like you need to do a bunch of shit, but, uh, the Kogan conversation will still be going. So as long as it's not on fire by the time you come back. So yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll be, we'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, cheers. I appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Cheers guys. I'll see you soon. Signing off. Thank you for joining the Kogan Conversation. Be sure to like, share, and follow us on all social media platforms. This podcast is available in video form on Facebook and YouTube, and audio on all platforms where podcasts are supported. Please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just a few bucks a month can really help us grow. Visit us online at www.thekoganconvo.com for more details.